You're listening to the Back Home Network, presented by Homefield Apparel. Welcome back to the NIL Hotline. Galen Clavio, Olivia Clavio, back with you once again. Good to be here. Olivia, we missed you last week, but it's good to have you back. How are you feeling now? Oh, I'm feeling great. Thanks for asking. It was, uh, you know, springtime colds. What, what can you do? That and allergies uh, just uh, kind of just rule the roost at this point. But uh, yeah. yeah, no, uh, good to be back. We're going to have we got a relatively short show today. We'll have a longer one in a couple of days, but a lot going on in the NIL space. And we wanted to jump right in and talk a little bit about one of the recent state house moves that appears to be happening um there was an article by jeremy crabtree uh from on three the other day that talked specifically about another state level reform or bill relating specifically to nil that is making its way through a uh, a state congressional uh process the surprising one here and one that caught your attention immediately was the fact that this is the state of new york uh, yeah, well, uh, you know, I actually was looking back into New York, and it has traditionally not been the mo- most um, progressive state, I guess you can say, for right of publicity. But they did just change their laws in 2021. What Galen is referring to is that they did not allow post-mortem rights, which really for collegiate athletes is not hopefully a big concern right now. Right. Um, but, but they did finally update their laws. And so I do think right now what we're seeing in New York is definitely a push towards the future, but I do think with the laws that you're mentioning that, uh, this is also brought up another thing that's been brewing in the background in the legal NIL space, which again, I'll throw in my, a very charming disclaimer that these are just my opinions. This is not legal advice, but you know, there's been a little bit of a, a chatter amongst legal as- experts in terms of a federal right of publicity statute. And I'm here to tell you that's never going to happen. Um, so I think what we're going to see states like New York, and they're going to start updating not only the the NIL laws, right, for college and high school um, aged athletes, but just in general, I think we're going to start seeing the state legislatures start to modernize some of their laws. I think that's where this trend is going. I think New York is a good example. So if you look at this New York bill, uh, in part, and this again, this was this was the piece that was quoted out of the Crabtree article on on three, you know, where this is getting a lot of attention among people in the NIL space is the following. According to the bill, an athletic association, conference, or other group or organization with authority over any collegiate athletics, including but not limited to the NCAA, shall uh, and, sh- and shall not authorize its member institutions to penalize or prevent a college from participation in intercollegiate athletics because an individual or entity whose purpose includes supporting or benefiting the college or its athletic programs or student-athletes violates the Collegiate Athletic Association's rules or regulations with regard to a student-athlete's name, image, or likeness activities. What does that mean in plain English? It means, NCAA, you're not allowed to punish a school in the state of New York or fill in the blank with other states that we've talked about that are either passing or, or have passed similar laws 
You're not allowed to punish them for violating your NIL statutes and essentially takes the sword out of the hands of the NCAA, which is a key because you know, when the NCAA, people forget, when the NCAA agreed to allow NIL, they had a very limited set of guidelines that they said that you could do NIL deals in. And, uh, you know, the big no-no there was no pay for play. And this can't be associated with the athletic department. And if you violate that, you're going to get punished. Well, nobody's gotten punished yet. They've announced that they're going to try to punish like Miami and a couple of other schools that have engaged. But what we're seeing increasingly is that these states are looking at this and saying, well, wait a minute. If there is no federal statute, if this is all state-by-state laws, the NCAA, as I always have to remind people, has no legal jurisdiction anywhere. They can't subpoena. They can't subpoena you. They can't compel you to testify. And honestly, like, you know, their only power is in saying, essentially, you don't get to use your full complement of scholarships, school, because you violated the rules. You're not allowed to be in the tournament or you're not allowed to go to a bowl game. That's that is the entirety of the NCAA's ability to compel schools to obey the rules. And what we've seen over the last decade has been, oh, I don't know, you know, large public institutions in uh, states in the Piedmont area of the U.S., for example, deciding to just ignore NCAA rules and then basically dare the NCAA to sue them in court, knowing the NCAA can't actually sue them in court. That is essentially the same methodology being used here, except with NIL and, uh, you know, trying to give your own schools in your own state advantages over other schools in other states that don't have this kind of a protection. Yeah, absolutely. And I think the big difference between the way that the NCAA used to operate and this today is that states already have a framework for right of publicity. All right. So, you know, we live in 50 states. Okay. And, and for a quick little legal background for people who don't know this, and it's okay if you don't. Is this, are you going to give us the federalism lecture, Olivia? I was going to give you the federalism (laughs) lecture. I was, but of course, you know, federal laws will apply to all 50 states. Otherwise it's up to the states to come up with their own laws. And right of publicity is one of those areas where there is no federal statute. There are other intellectual property rights that do have federal laws, patent, trademark, copyright, but right of publicity is not one of those. So the states are are left to their own devices. Legislatures. Yes. <laughs> so that's your federalism lesson well, for today. <laughs> okay. And this ties into the other big story that I wanted to talk about. And again, um, we're going to have people from on three on at some point here, I promise, because they're doing some great work in this space and they're not alone. ESPN's done some excellent work. There's others as well, but Ivan Mizell had a piece in, uh, on three. This was yesterday. It felt like it was last week, but it was actually yesterday. And, um, he, I'm going to quote this piece because I just find it amazing that we're still at this particular point. Um, So this is my Maisel talking on his own. In the last several days, I spoke to officials in four Division I conferences looking for knowledge of any planning for the possibility that Congress will continue to ignore the lobbying efforts of NCAA members across the country in terms of establishing a nationwide NIL law. No one knows of any such planning. Um, and you know, now Mizell goes in and says the need for a national standard is real, which I actually don't necessarily agree with, uh, at least not in terms of a governmental standard. But you know, what we're seeing is essentially 
almost a magical thinking going on with colleges and universities, which is essentially what landed them in this mess in the first place with name, image, and likeness. Because for those who are not familiar with the buildup to when NIL was suddenly allowed, which has only been, what, two summers ago. It was the summer of 2021. So we're talking about a short period of time. But the lead up to that, the 10, 15 years prior, was full of the NCAA and Mark Emmert, who was the president at the time, essentially saying, we're going to pour all of our attention, all of our money into lobbying Congress to establish an antitrust exemption for the NCAA and its member schools so that we will essentially be given a get-out-of-jail-free card that says you don't have to compensate athletes in any way, shape, or form. And what happened with that attempt, Olivia? Can you give us the outcome of what occurred over that 10- to 15-year period? The 10 to 15 year period of the lobbying. Yeah, there's there's nothing. Yeah. Um, <laughs> there's nothing. And, and really, it's uh, I, I find it very interesting just because, of course, we could we could go on for many podcasts about what the NCA has done since its beginnings of time. But in reality, their the, the teeth got taken out of anything that they were doing. And part of the problem is now it's been two years. Now, granted, I don't necessarily think that we won't see some potential enforcement actions, but we haven't seen any yet. But that does not mean that they are not brewing in the background of the NCAA. Sometimes their investigations take quite a bit of time to complete. Um, But I think the big difference between those investigations and, and these are that previously, we've mentioned before, it used to be very much an underground mafia. Money was flowing and it was just, how do you get the right people? How are you gonna catch them? And it was very underground. All of this is not underground. In fact, the moment that an athlete signs now uh, for their name, image and likeness, on three, great example, it is immediately- Cataloged. Yeah, immediately cataloged. Everybody knows what's going on. So I think also in a way there there's no secrecy and they know exactly what's going on. And I think their time to really act, if they were going to act on this, has dwindled significantly. Um, well, but part of part of the issue, and I think it's it's informative to remind everybody that the NCAA is at its heart a trade organization. It is a group of businesses. They are colleges and universities, but they're still businesses who have gotten together for the purpose of essentially putting an umbrella over the idea of college athletics. And the NCAA organizes championships. The NCAA and its members, the schools, write the rules. And then the the membership has given the NCAA the ability to enforce those rules. And it has its own enforcement arm for those rules. But the why we're here in the first place and why in that, you know, that that on three article, you've got such an emphasis on trying to find a federal solution, a federal mandate is because as an organization, a trade organization that has over a thousand members, most of them do not agree about the best way forward. And in fact, the majority don't want anything done in the NIL space because they are operating at such a low level of revenue and of Uh, competitive quality, I guess would be the best way of putting it, that any mandate that athletes be paid or anything other than let's ratchet this back to something that we can all afford is not going to be viewed as positive by the membership. Because of that, it's 
it's basically impossible for a thousand member organization even if you broke it down to just the division one members it's about 360 division one members of ncaa i mean that group contains schools with 200 plus million dollar athletic budgets like ohio state and texas it also includes schools like iupui and valparaiso and uh you know i mean there's other very small uc riverside like these are schools that have very little in common with each other to expect them to be able to hammer out an agreement that's going to work for all of them is i think most people in the ncaa realize not going to happen but the idea that the federal government which as you said doesn't have a right of publicity statute federally to begin with is going to carve one out specifically for college athletics seems no, fancy it seems very fanciful to me yes no trust me if if entertainers to this point couldn't lobby congress in order to get a federal statute for right of publicity college athletes are not going to be able to do that yeah. um now i will say though there are other not to get too legal here but there are other concerns and, and we can have a podcast about this later and we will but um but i will tell you that the federal trade commission could very easily swoop in and start to regulate the athletes and how they are are putting out their messages, yep. being influencers. The the athletes are very, very much now subject to Federal Trade Commission rules. So the other side of this to think about is the fact that there are still federal laws that are regulating what businesses and athletes can and cannot say in connection with their NIL deals and how they put yeah. that information out to the public. So um, again, a, a topic for another day, but I think right now the the thought that there will be some kind of federal statute, one, isn't going to happen, but two, um, that would need, that would create a massive overhaul for a lot of different privacy laws. Yeah. Right now there even is, just so everyone knows, there even isn't a a federal privacy law. They're all state related. So we have a long way to go. We do. We have a long way to go. And 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 what and what this comes down to at the end of the day is a group of people, a group of organizations that does not want to police themselves because they would have to confront to I mean, this is being very cynical, but to some degree you're having to confront what business you're actually in rather than the business that you've been claiming that you're in, which as far as the as college athletics and the the schools involved those are two very different things. Uh, you're not in the business of athletics because you're running a multi-billion dollar sports industry. Just because you claim that you're in it for, I'm sorry, I said, I meant academics, not athletics. You can't claim that you're in the academic space when you're also running a multi-billion dollar industry because as we've seen, people look at this and say, and you're not paying your labor, why? Because they're students? That, that generally doesn't fly. And so, what you're going to run into, I think, if this ever does get regulated at the federal level, is a whole host of things that colleges and universities don't want regulated, but they don't understand. There, there seems to be a collective lack of understanding of all of the implications and the and the idea that someone's going to wave a wand and it's going to go back to the way that it used to be. The whole reason for this podcast is I think you and I have been talking about for a while. It's never going back to the way it was before. People better start planning for the way that it is now and the way that it's going to evolve because otherwise you you you, you might actually get what you ask for. You might actually get the federal government setting all of these guidelines and that might be not something that you want actually. Correct. It's a very complicated space to say the least and 
Uh, Gail and I talked about this weekend, but this is an area that I've been in for over a decade. And the amount of change that's already occurred in the last decade is just astounding. And so I can only imagine, even in two years' time, when we have an episode, we might be able to look back to this one and say, look at the tremendous amount of changes that have occurred. Because now every state, every university is its own ecosystem of NIL rights. And it's um, going to be very difficult to have a uh, a federal statute that's going to be able to cover it, that. The one, the thing I'll leave on on that, I'm shocked at. I mean, if you look at the difficulties here, it's actually kind of surprising this system lasted as long as it did. Given the patchwork of state laws that rule so many of these things, I'm actually to some degree surprised that it's taken until 2023 for a lot of this stuff to come to a head. Yeah, well, and and that's just because technology keeps changing, and I think that. Before, it was fairly easy to have a certain argument um, to keep that, you know, that system in place. But now, with the way that technology is changing with biometrics, with AI, um, we have a whole lot of other uh, issues to, to consider on top of just the, you know, bread and butter right of publicity laws. So, yeah, well, lots- Lots of things. We'll tackle all that next time. Uh, We'll also tackle the new EA Sports football game, which got a big NIL-related boost. We've got a couple of other NIL headlines that are going to be coming down the pike. We'll hit all those in our next episode. Be sure to subscribe to the NIL hotline. Rate, review, like, share with your friends. We'd love to hear some feedback. We'll catch you folks on the flip side. For Olivia, I'm Galen. This is the NIL hotline. So long, everybody.